You know what? You are the only person you are guaranteed to spend the rest of your life with. So, we want you to feel at home with yourself. To have an understanding of what being human truly means. And to be a witness to the things that are happening within you. We're here for the good. The bad. And the downright ugly. <laughs> so, come on this journey. And be messy with us. You are listening to The Real Meaning of Humanity with Alexis. That's my name. And you're Krista. Yeah, that's me. Your win is my win. (laughs) Your win is my win. I love it. We win together. We do. (laughs) Even if we aren't together and we're winning, we're both still winning. It's so funny because I feel like we're so, like, entangled into, like, deeper levels of each other's lives that I'm like, you're, like, if you do something, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I got a win there, too. I don't know why. Aww. Aww, You love me so well. We're so intermingled. We are. (laughs) We're so cute. <laughs> Tears. Okay. <clears throat> so now you can stop being all secretive. I know. And... <laughs> I'm so like, what is it? The word invasive? No. Mm, that's not, not a it. word. I don't. That is a completely different meaning. Yeah. I don't know I why like, I said that. Why was in? I think I was like just like listening to a Selena Gomez video. <laughs> And she said, the paparazzi were invasive. I think that's, that's, okay, anyways. What were you saying? (laughs) And so you could stop being so secretive because in in our podcast, you're like, well, yeah, just things that are going on in my life. Or, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, vague. 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 That is the word. So this episode now, Alexis, is going to be less vague and let us in on all the things that has been happening. Yeah, so we're a revealer episode. Uh Hey, 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 hey. Okay. Ow, I hit my elbow. I know. I heard it. (laughs) The audio probably heard it, too. I'm going to have to edit that out later. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so tell our listeners, because I'm sure they're like, wait, what the have you been doing the past six months? Tell our listeners kind of what did you decide to do six months ago? Where were you at? How are you feeling? Give us some insight. Yes. So six months ago, where would that put us? We're in October. Math. Okay. September. April. April. Right, because <clears throat> October is month 10. So if we take away six, that'd be month four, which is April. Okay. Well, let's go back just a little bit further. Perfect. Let's say like February, March. Beautiful. So, yes. So in the midst, um, in the month of February, I was really in a season where, okay, God, I feel like you want me to do something, but I don't know what you want me to do. Right. So where should I go? Mm. Do I go forward into the unknown? Mm-hmm. These were literally my thoughts and my conversations. Yeah. <laughs> do I go forward into the unknown? Because I don't know what that looks like. Or do I go back to mm, something? That's right. And we did an episode around that time saying I think it was titled, You Have the Ability to Move On, something like that. And it was because of what I was experiencing. Yeah. But basically, just to be not be vague, because I'm trying not to be vague. Yes. In the month of February, I was genuinely thinking about going back to the church that I was a part of. Yeah. Only because I was, I was thinking about going back to lead right. at students. That's what 
what I mean when I say go back, not like fully go back and be a part of like a member, but just be a leader. Yeah. Only because I had some students around that time really wanting me to come back Yeah. just because how they are feeling around that time and what I was hearing. And it was just very sad. I'm not going to bring up what I was hearing because that's personal to them. Yep. And I don't want to bring up other people. Um, so yeah, so I was, um, really on the verge of reaching out to somebody and having a conversation with them Mm -hmm. and what that would look like. Yep. And it was like the day before I was about to do it before I had the courage, like I had it all planned out. I was getting ready. And I even told God, I was like, listen, God, if you do not want me to do this, because I feel very strongly that I should go back because of how close I was to my students Mm -hmm. and because I loved them so much and I was still in contact. So if you do not want me to go back, you need to interrupt this. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm getting the chills. <laughs> I remember having these conversations. Sorry, so it's just like bringing me right? back. Right. I know. It feels it feels like so long ago. Yeah. I was thinking about it today too. <laughs> but so I so I asked him, you need to interrupt it. If you're not going to interrupt it, then I'm going to keep going. Exactly. Like, I'm going to You're like I'm just being honest. This is how I feel right now. Yeah. And and because I love them. I love, love, love my students. But that would bring a lot of, that would open a lot of doors that I wasn't sure I wanted to open. Exactly. If I were to go back, that would open a lot of uh, dialogue from people I do not want dialogue from. Right. There would have been. Catch my drift. Yes. There would have been a lot of, um, I don't even want to say negative, but um, uh um, I mean, maybe negative interactions that could possibly happen for going back there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not good for Alexis. We'll, exactly. We'll put it that way. Exactly. Um, it was more for these students, not yeah. for me and my heart. Let's just say that. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, so the day before I was about to have a – or was going to reach out and have a conversation with somebody from that church – I got an email from Alive and Free, which we've had Spencer Robbins on here. He He's the co-owner with his wife, Sammy Robbins, of Alive and Free. This is the um, consulting company that I did their program with two years ago when I started um, really intense healing. Um, and it was the Come Alive program, and that's when this just honestly unlocked my whole life from and got me to where I am today. And so they they still have the Come Alive program, but they emailed me stating that they are launching a coach launch program. Mm-hmm. So I've actually, backstory, I've applied to be a coach for them three freaking times. Right. In the midst of these like, like year, year and a half, mm-hmm. like right after I um, completed the come alive program. I just, I've just wanted to be a coach Yeah. because I didn't realize I've helped people in that way for a long time, mm-hmm. but didn't realize that that was what I was doing. Yeah. It, it is genuinely, I'm not trying to brag or boast, but it does come naturally to me. It is. It's something that's natural. You're, you're natural mm-hmm. at like you know, making people feel safe. You're a natural at asking questions or letting people, you know what I mean? You're a natural at like reading people too. So being able to feed off of their energy. So it's like, it's almost like a time where you're like, 
oh, wow, what I already do naturally, like, that could be my job and I could, like, get paid for it. You know, it's like that realization in that moment. And I, and I love it. I love getting to know myself and getting aware of, well, just honestly uncovering a lot of things about me and my wounds and why I do the things I do. And it's gotten me a lot of freedom. Yeah. And whenever I see, like, Krista or saw some of my friends and other people in my life, how my healing is affecting them and then that it inspired them to get their healing. It, it was just like a ripple effect. Yeah. And I knew that like, not just me, but like Krista can make a change. And that's why we started this podcast too. That goes in a lot. Exactly. With it. And we'll explain that in the next episode. Cause that's our one year. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah. So I just knew it came naturally to me and I, and I believed in alive and free so much that I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. But I think they wanted it, me to give me more time to get to mo- know myself, which I'm kind of glad that they didn't hire me in that time because mm-hmm. I was still learning a lot. And yeah. I was also still in a lot of um, the cycle right? that yep. I was a part of. So yeah, to go back to that email, they emailed me that they are launching this coach launch program. And the first people that they want to accept, they want the first group to be small. So, like, 20 to 30 people. Right. And, like, I just briefly read it. Like, I literally nonchalantly just read it. And I was like, oh, okay, this would be cool. We'll see. Like, I really didn't feel or realize how serious it was when I was applying. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought I was like, okay, like, I love Alive and Free so much. I support them. Everything that they do, like... I really am for them. And so let's just see if this would be good for me. Yeah. But it was an actual, I didn't realize it was an actual application. Like you had to apply for it. <laughs> you had to apply for it and get accepted. I literally just thought I was like, oh, whatever. So yeah. it, and I, and I didn't even read the whole email. I just, you was so like, okay, cool. Like, oh, to train you to be a coach and like business and da da da. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll see. And so I hit the apply button and I was like, oh, it's an actual application. But I was like, oh, I'll still like fill it out. But I didn't like take it so seriously as like people normally would. Yeah. And so I guess after my application, immediately they said, okay, we want to set up an interview with you. And I was like, oh. Well, okay. And so, <laughs> and so, um, the interview was scheduled the next day. Whew. So the day that I was going to reach out to the specific church person mm-hmm. was the day that my interview for this program was scheduled with Spencer. Yeah. God intervene. He's like, all right, I will. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just, you know, talk to, you know, that, the church after this or whatever. Yeah. So the next day, well, when I found out that my um, interview was with Spencer, I was like, no, I don't want to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> because in Come Live, you don't really talk to Sammy and Spencer as much. You don't have as much dialogue with them. I mean, you do, just not as much as you would in this program that I would potentially be coming into. So anyways, long story short, I had a conversation with him, scared out of my mind, like, yeah. Oh my gosh. But once we were talking, it was um it was really I mean, it was awesome. I mean, we've had Spencer on here. He's just so he's a human being. So right. he's very natural. Once you start talking to him, it's just like it you feel better. So um he started asking me where I'm currently at, what my dreams are and where I wanna go. 
And I told him, like, of course I would want to be a life coach and, you know, want to have my own business and Mm -hmm. want this, my podcast to take off. Like me and Krista, like we want, we have dreams. We want to get the word out. We want to impact people's lives. We don't want them to feel so stuck anymore. Right. And um, I guess he loved everything that I was saying. So right on there, like right on the spot, he was like, well, we want to accept you in this program. We are only accepting a small amount of people and we want you to be a part of it. And I was like, oh my God, wow, this is actually happening. Because they say no to people. Like Spencer will say no to people. Right. And he was telling me the commitments I would have to make. Like it is a weekly thing, hands-on classes, um, content, um, hours to do of content weekly and then class like every Wednesday night. Yeah. And what was interesting, as soon as he said, you have to make the commitment to be there for class every Wednesday night, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is God. Because if I were to go back, like what I was thinking, if I were to go back to the church, students is every Wednesday night. Yeah. And I wouldn't be (laughs) able to do this program if I were to be, to go back to the life that I had before. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, God wants me to do this. This yeah. is for me. Ooh. Oh I had a chill. I know. I was like, <laughs> oh. This is like something to – this is a good reminder too because you always have like that disqualification disqualification wound come up. And yeah. you're like, oh, is this really for me? Is this, is this really what I should be doing in life? And just like how God like ordained it and just put everything together. Is, it, he really did in the midst of the season. So – um, I was just like, okay, yes, I'll do it. And obviously when I said yes, <laughs> it was the scariest yes I have ever said. Yeah. But I mean, I feel if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, the few months, I don't remember exactly how many before that we talked a lot about how you are starting this new thing about be- going into the unknown and doing all these things that are in the unknown and, and being comfortable in the, I don't know, and the mm-hmm. being comfortable in the, I don't knows. And I feel like this was just a continuation of that. Like, yeah, like literally shutting off your old life. And it's like, no, I know it's scary to step into this unknown, but trust me, this is for you. Like I've got you, you know, I feel like now looking back at the whole situation, that's what it looks like from, you know, now exactly. us sitting here. Exactly. Back. And I told him that. I was like, wow, this is probably the scariest yes I have ever said. And he said, he was like, well, you know what that tells me is that I want to reassure you this is a good fear. Mm-hmm. But what that tells me is that you've been in a cycle for a while now. And now your body is having a reaction of like, wow, this is scary. We're actually, you know, closing a chapter Mm -hmm. in my life or closing a book. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really done and over with. Yeah. That relationship, that church, every sort of partnership that I had or with anybody in that lifetime, it's over. And it's something that old Alexis thought that that was her future. You right. know what I mean? That was forever. Mm-hmm. And so to have this realization, this spot in your life where you're like, wow, like it wasn't, like it isn't my forever. That's that's a hard 
thing to really think about and like a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. And he said that, um, that this is good and that, um, he said a couple other things too, that really helped me and released the fear. But one of the things that stuck with me is that Alexis, you have permission to be new. You have permission to be new here and to be free. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what really consulting life coaching is when you say yes to it it's you have permission to be new yeah and to be completely free unfiltered come as yourself all doubts all fears all everything in all and not be judged for it and just get it out and be completely new exactly and so whoo it felt good to hear that so I said yes and I I joined it and it started in what like May, end of January, February, March, April, May. It started in May, the beginning of May. And so it's been just a whirlwind since then. It it was just a whole nother intense program as well. Like not only does it train you to be a life coach and how to help people in a very honest and have integrity in a very honest way with integrity but it also gets down to the roots of your wounds even deeper (laughs) I think for me since I've already come alive was kind of like an introduction of how deep my wounds really you know just marinated into my actions (laughs) and behaviors now that I've already become aware of that and even speak about that I could even go even deeper into why the things I do and like, and so it was just a whole nother intense healing process that I had to go through like my disqualification wound, how like even like cheerleading for 14 years of my life impacted a lot of the belief systems that I had about my life Mm -hmm. or about myself and about my body and also uncovering a lot of mom wounds still but also father wounds as well mm-hmm. yeah i say i feel like whenever you were going through the alive and free program you were doing that first part of like accepting and acknowledging and being honest with yourself mm-hmm. with where you were genuinely at on the inside you know what i mean and that to me is the hardest part mm-hmm. that is the hardest part Well, and I think because for the longest time, I wasn't being honest with myself. Right. Because you have protectors and you have, you know, like you hear that saying all the time, like fake it till you make it, you know, like so many people do that. So many people are just like, well, I could just pretend and then hopefully one day it'll actually be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think because even in the midst, like two years ago from now, like two years ago today, I was in the Come Alive program. Yeah. And, or I was starting it and I was still in the midst of that cycle Mm -hmm. with my relationship, with everything that was going on with the church and my, the toxic relationship I was involved in. It was still a little bit of a distraction because Mm -hmm. he wasn't going away. And so I really had to, I really had to get, you know, to a place where. I've never done anything for Alexis. Yeah. Ever. It was always about my mom. It was always about cheerleading. What could I do for the team? What could I do to please my coach? What could I do to be perfect? Mm -hmm. It was always about being the perfect student 
It was always about being the perfect little girl for my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, It was always about being the perfect human being and being the perfect. Yes, Krista. (laughs) (laughs) um, Once I got to high school, it was always about being the perfect Christian and doing this for the mission and for God. It was never about, oh, someone actually cares about me you know like like I never I've never made a choice for Alexis to where like Alexis matters enough to where she needs to get away from everybody and anybody Mm -hmm. and just completely focus on herself yeah and create a safe space for her because nobody ever created a safe space for her yeah is what it felt like I was saying you never like you never you never gave yourself permission to like genuinely be you. Like it was always to please this person or this person or this person. Like it was never just like, oh, I can exist exactly how I am. I don't have to do all these things in order to gain love. Like I can simply exist and still be loved. Right. And it was also about like, what can I do to feel pretty so guys can think I was pretty yeah. or lovable? Yeah. So all your behaviors were fueled by acceptance and love Uh Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) and so when I made that decision of like everything I am doing is just not working yep I am completely drained like I remember two years ago looking at a pumpkin (laughs) these (laughs) I remember this yeah these damn pumpkins that me and Jen carved (laughs) And we put it on our fireplace, and they were, oh, my God, they were smelling at the whole apartment. And I remember <laughs> sitting on my couch watching these pumpkins just rot right in front of me, like slowly, you know, rotting and withering away. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want to do anything about it. I was looking at these pumpkins saying, I totally feel you. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I felt like I was withering away along with the pumpkins. Yeah. And I oh. remember telling my church that, like, I need a sabbatical. I cannot do this anymore. Right. And so that I just came to a point where, like, am I really happy? And I was like, I heard a scream inside me saying, no, I have not been happy for a long time. It wasn't because of the relationship I I was in. Yeah. It wasn't because of the church that I was a part of. It wasn't because of the friendships or anything or any family. It was because me genuinely, Alexis, has not been happy or does not know who she is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she ever has been happy for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like... There is a deeper root as to why you are feeling all these things. Like, not just the circumstances or the experiences that you had. Of course, yes, they played a part. But, like, there is a deep, 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 deep wound. There's a deep thing inside of you that is causing you. That has, like, kind of, I don't know. I think about, like, a... A ripple effect. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, like, a snowball when it's going down the hill. You know, it just gets bigger, 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 you know? Yeah. And, and, And what that wound was was, like, wow, I've been... I've been going through my whole life trying to be this perfect person mm-hmm. or this this character that I had created of like what would be lovable to my mother? Mm-hmm. What would be lovable to my father? <laughs> what, what would be lovable to my friends or my coaches? What would be lovable to the boys in high school and junior high? 
and how can I become this person that everybody just falls over yeah and wants to be because and and that's what movies share too and I think because because I was a little girl even cheerleading guys like I didn't even want to be a cheerleader (laughs) like like I didn't like I did I do love it and I'm thankful for it but years I was like begging my mom and dad I like I wanted to quit but I was still a part of it for them Mm -hmm. so I wasn't living my life for me I was living my life for everybody else exactly and so I was just a little girl who wanted to be accepted for the way she was messy and all by her mom and dad right genuinely what I was wanting so why do you think that you felt like why was your perception that oh I have there's conditions in order for me to be loved like I have to do these things in order for me to be loved so that comes back around to my mom right Uh, in my childhood my daily life was revolved around how can I make mom happy? Mm-hmm. If mom is not happy, then we're all fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know what kind of destructive action she's going to give us that day. Yeah, I, I went through days where like I genuinely did not know which mom I was going to get. Am I going to get the mom who's going to love me and be happy? Or am I going to get the mom who's going to start screaming at me for no reason and throwing things around the house? Yeah. And it would be my fault. Right. And so it, it created this codependency in me to where I have to figure out as a child in a child mind, because that's how we interpret things. I have to figure out what type of actions or what can I do to make mom happy Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't get punished. Right. So you had to adapt to her behavior. Yes. I had, (laughs) yes. I had to adapt to what pleased her. Exactly. And it created, it molded me into this person that I didn't even recognize. Right. And also with people like that, I don't want to get too much into my story just yet. Right. Um, But that's what created me. So then when I went out with friends, when they didn't like something or or like boys, if they didn't like to me, I'm like, if they didn't like something or something wasn't socially approved, I'm like, oh, I can't like that then. Or I can't be like that. Right. And then going into cheerleading, like, you have to look a certain way as a cheerleader. I mean, it's worse now. Yeah. But back then, it was still kind of like that. You Like, being skinny was the thing for me. Mm-hmm. I had to be a certain weight. And you then, had, like, a six-pack when you were a kid. I did. Mm-hmm. I did have a six-pack. I have pictures of it. <laughs> and um, I don't have a six-pack anymore. <laughs> but I did have a six-pack, and I was, like, oh, I was, like, constantly loved because I was so skinny. I'm, yeah. like, Alexis, you're so pretty and so skinny. Like, that yeah. was the attachment to why I was so pretty. Yeah. And, oh, you're so little. You're such a beautiful flyer because I was a flyer. Right. So it felt um, very um, like I had made it since I was the top girl and I was a flyer and I looked the part. Right. But then once I eventually got boobs. (laughs) (laughs) When these things came along. And my jeans kicked in because I do have a bigger chest. 
I didn't look the part anymore, so now I wasn't the flyer. Uh-huh. Yeah. So because I didn't look a certain way, I could not be what I wanted to be. Yeah. And so that's when I started, like, hating my body. And, of course, like, in junior high and high school, people don't know how to handle just normal <laughs> puberty things. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they want to dramatize everything. Um, and I was talked about constantly about the Jesus freak cheerleader who had big tits. That's literally my yeah. label. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> and um, I just remember constantly being ashamed of my body. And where I came from. And then also in the midst of that, living and hiding as if, like, I had the perfect family. Because my mom, every time my mom was around, she acted like she was the perfect mom. Mm -hmm. And everybody thought that my mom loved to play off as if we had the perfect mother and daughter relationship. Right. And everybody would say after they hung out with me and my mom... Uh, They say, oh, my gosh, you and your mom are just so sweet. Your mom is, like, the greatest mom. Mm -hmm. Like, all these things. Like, I don't know how she could ever be crazy. That's so not true. So, constantly, my feelings were, like, devalidated. Right. My experiences were constantly devalidated. Yeah. And especially how I felt when I would share how I feel with my mom in moments as growing up. She was constantly like, oh, you're not a Christian for saying that to your mom. You're supposed to honor your mother. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to honor your mother and not supposed to feel that way towards me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You have no right to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Like giving those statements. So I was like a little girl still figuring out everything. And then whenever I would finally share how I felt and not want to be in hiding of like, no, this is actually not what's happening right in my life. It's abusive and chaotic. Yeah. Everyone said, oh, no, that didn't matter. No, that's not actually happening. No, you're wrong. You need to honor your mother. You need to forgive your mother. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, okay, so now my voice doesn't matter. Right. So for most of my life, I felt as though my voice did not matter. Yeah. But then when I stepped into this new journey – I started realizing, like, oh, my voice does freaking matter. What I went through, what I felt my whole life as a little girl who just wanted a mom to love her and be there for her and actually parent her and be a mother instead of me being the mom. Mm -hmm. That's what she really wanted. She wanted to feel supported. She wanted to feel adored. She wanted to know if she were to mess up. That she would still be loved. That she didn't have to be a perfect little girl in order to not be punished. Yeah. I just, oh my goodness. Like, just whenever you're talking, I mean, and that's the crazy thing about whenever we talk about this stuff is, like, I know you, but then, like, still talking about it, like, I'm just like, holy cow. You know, I just, like, feel, like, the the mass of it almost. Yeah. Um, But whenever you were talking, I literally was envisioning and this is so sad but I was literally envisioning and I don't even know who it is but an an adult let's just say it has no face okay Mm -hmm. it's an adult (laughs) and it's and maybe it's adult you but it's literally you and your younger self your kid self and it's like you have duct tape and you're putting it over a mouth and you're like we have to survive like yeah you were literally in the survival mode because you were like I have to adapt I have to not voice anything I have to do these in order to survive like I have to play the part exactly so like you grew up 
learning how to pretend like that's because that's the only way that you could survive in those moments is by pretending, pretending to be this so that your mom would be happy, pretending to do this so that your cheer coach would be happy and your parents would be happy, you know, like well, and pretend to be like as if to my dad, as if my my me and my mom's relationship wasn't as bad as it really was. Like yeah. I had even I had to even like hide it from my dad. <laughs> Your dad, everybody else, you had to pretend like, oh yeah, no, mm. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. When it wasn't. Yeah. And although like my dad's not stupid, he knew. Yeah. Um and so it yeah, it forced me to know because as a little girl I interpreted everything as, okay, my voice doesn't matter. My feelings don't matter. What I'm going through doesn't matter. Nobody's going to listen to me. They're all gonna listen to my mother. And think that she's this this greatest person and this great mom when she's actually not. Yeah. She was when I was a little, little, little girl, like maybe toddler. But I can barely remember those moments, you know. And so, it yeah, it kept me forced to stay in hiding Mm -hmm. and and put this, like, mask over me, basically. So, of course, now looking back, that makes sense to all the people that I attracted in my life, especially, especially, especially it gets to a point where all that cannot be bottled up anymore and it all leads up to the surface and I attract this toxic relationship and this person who kind of does the same thing yeah, in a way, yeah. which he does. But since men and women are like, we are similar but when it comes to our wounds, our wounds can be the same. But since we are men and women, how we bleed out in our behaviors of that wounds are vastly different. Yeah. So it just makes sense how I attracted this relationship. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's – it's like that's what you felt your whole life. So this was a feeling of – as twisted as it does sound, like this was a feeling of comfort for you. It's something that you – were you know like we've said before like your brain wants to go to the known the things that you know and so with this relationship it's like okay like I know this this is something that I've been I've been here before so this is something that I unfortunately am comfortable with exactly I was comfortable in a cycle of abuse exactly in a cycle of devalidating my experiences my feelings and keeping me powerless yep and and so that's what felt like home to me because the little girl who grew up was that that was her home yep that was her home and 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 also led me to putting all those experiences on the face of god and thinking that this man who has a white beard and so big and so strong who who everyone says they can do everything he can do anything and everything he's just on a throne sitting his lazy ass down (laughs) and pointing at me saying oh you don't matter either the mission matters so you need to go out and help everybody but Mm. i'm sitting here saying like well what about me yeah (laughs) i need help yeah i feel alone and so that's what i felt from god for a long time but i acted as if the perfect little Christian. No, God loves you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just like, like I would be like a robot, like a scripted Christian robot. Yeah. You're like, well, I have to play this part. I have to do yeah. this. It's a can, like my whole life is, is just 
everything is a conditional love. So I yeah. need to do the things that I need to do in order to be accepted, loved, honored, whatever. Right. And I thought God was a conditional loving God. Yeah. Instead absolutely. of an unconditional loving God. Mm-hmm. But because I've allowed myself in to enter a space to be completely unfiltered and completely just new, which meant I need to give myself to bleed, not bleed on others, but to completely have a safe space to bleed, be messy. So I can come to God and have an encounter with Jesus and him just love me and hold me in the mess. Right. And that's how I truly felt. And that's, I think what my, that's when the script flipped of how I view God but also how I viewed myself in my body, too, and who I am. What you're thinking. Yeah, I was just, I'm thinking, and you don't have to put this in here, but I'm really just wondering, like, so you said you said something about, like, a safe space. Like, I had to have that safe space to just be genuine, honest, and true, and raw. So, like, how did you get to that safe space? Um, I, <laughs> um, so I had to be angry uh, you had to allow yourself to feel your feelings. Yes, I had to be angry, and it was, it was nights, days, weeks of being in this closet, mm-hmm. <laughs> or being in my therapy sessions, <laughs> or being in my car, or being in the middle right. of an abandoned parking lot, smashing the shit out of some plates. <laughs> Yes. And yelling at God and cussing, not cussing at him, but definitely putting, you know, some cuss words in dialogue that I was having sure. with him. For sure. For mm-hmm. sure. And just saying, like, why? You know, obviously, at first, like, you play the blaming game. Yeah. Why this? Why did this have to happen? Why did you not do anything? Why did you not protect me? Um, You know, all those angry thoughts. Mm-hmm. In blaming thoughts and um, victim thoughts, which it's okay to have victim thoughts. It's natural. It is natural. But to um, not stay in the victim mentality. Yeah. Because you are not powerless. What the enemy wants you to believe is that you will always be powerless and you will always be a victim. And, yeah. And that's and, not true. And you, at some point, you have to take ownership for your side. Like Exactly. Like, I was a victim in that moment. So I was a victim in the moment where my mother physically abused me. Absolutely. And I was a victim in the moment where she verbally and emotionally, all the things, um, abused me in my whole childhood. And then I also was a victim in the moment where, you know, in that relationship of what happened. And, um, but I'm not a victim anymore. Right. I've conquered it. Right. Exactly. Like that moment doesn't have to be a moment for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so... Taking ownership in the fuck, what in the fuck in the fuck, <laughs> taking ownership in the fact that I agreed with people's views of me, so I decided to partner with shame. Yeah, I decided to partner with I'm ugly, mm-hmm. I'm stupid, mm-hmm. I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. I decided to partner with. I am powerless. I will never have a voice. I will never have a future. There is no hope. I decided to partner with depression and that I don't have a life. I and believe the lies. I, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I partnered with all the lies 
that my experiences have told me. Yeah. Or that I, yeah, that, that those moments have told me. And, um, I have a lot of compassion for these people who really had shitty parents. And it's not to, it's not to villainize your parents. That's not what we're doing. Please don't hear me when I say that. Okay. This is not to villainize the people in your stories, which we're going to get to that in a minute. However, it comes to a point like, yes, you went through those things and it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sorry you went through those, those experiences and you had every right to be loved as a child and accepted. But it comes to a point as an adult where you get to choose, do I want to continue living my life like this? Or do I want to break this cycle, break these generational curses and kind of flip the script in my mind and become better? Because yeah. I know there is better for me. Mm-hmm. I know there's some something telling me that there's not, but I don't want to believe that voice. Exactly. It, it, it becomes a time where you're not that little boy or that little girl anymore and your adult self can come in and protect you now yeah when your parents didn't protect you exactly and so that's when you start taking accountability and ownership over your own life Mm -hmm. is when you become an adult and the excuses that no not excuses the reasons for well my dad did this exactly well my mom did this. Well, my childhood was like this. Yes, those are all valid. But now you have a choice to to like move on from that and to heal from it or to not and completely keep traumatizing yourself and others. Exactly. I say like that it's reminded me of this one saying quote that's like you are not your experiences, you're like you're not like what is it? You are not your experiences, you are what you do as a result of your experiences or something yeah. along those yeah. lines. Like all these things can happen to you, right? Cause we've talked about this before. Like you can't control that, but the only thing that you can control is how you respond to them and how, what you decide. And that is where your character comes. Like that is who you are mm-hmm. is how you respond to life in general. Yeah. Like you're in your twenties now. You're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, mm-hmm. etc., And you're an adult now. So you have the choice to, like, stop. Yeah. You don't have to become your mother that bled on her children. Yeah. And traumatized her children based off of her own wounds and her own trauma. Okay? Because at this point where I'm at, if I was continuing in, you know, the toxicity that I lived in in my life and continuing on with judgments and how I judged people because I was judging myself so harshly. I was being rude to others. Mm -hmm. Like I can't blame my mother anymore for being a mean human being. Right. My actions are my own actions now. Mm -hmm. Right. That brings us to when I announced (laughs) um, that I was a life coach and that I'm taking on clients now. When I announced that, it was amazing. You know, I, I've started getting potential clients. We're on that process of it, which is awesome. Thank you for everybody who congratulated me. Right. <laughs> but obviously, for, so for the longest time, I've kept my um, social media stuff on private due to my mother. I haven't spoken to my mother in over 10 years. Right. And so, and other things too. I didn't want other people to- 
who I am, who's not in my life anymore to look at my stuff either. So there's reasons for that. Um, but I thought I had, um, my mom blocked cause she has been blocked for a long time due to her, um, being obsessive and, um, borderline just legal stuff there. And so I, I posted on Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. uh, the announcement that I'm a life coach now <laughs> and that I, I got certified through this program and I'm taking on clients, which, yay, okay, yay. reach out to me <laughs> um, if you want to know more. Um, but obviously with this, with this territory comes being vulnerable on social media. Yeah. And I, I knew what I was signing up for. Right. Right. It's being transparent enough to know that, like, hey, like, you're not alone in this. I've been through this, too. Let's normalize it. But now let's get past it. And let's get healing. Let's see what we can do for you. Exactly. And But it's also protecting my heart enough and not betraying myself to go too much into detail about what I've been through. So I was vulnerable enough in my post I put my social media platforms on public for people to see yeah. just in case, you know, just to get more impact out there. Right. Impact more. And I guess I didn't realize that my mother on, on Facebook, she was not bla- blocked. <laughs> I cannot talk today. <laughs> it's fine. Um, she was not blocked, I guess. And she commented mm-hmm. on the post and I get it. I honestly, to be honest, I didn't read it. <laughs> um, but it was only a split semi. What the fuck? <laughs> it was only a split second to where she commented. I saw it that she commented. She has a different name now, but I know her name. I deleted the comment. She obviously messaged me and she called me, <laughs> but I deleted a comment, so it's not there anymore. So you can't be nosy and go look at it. Right. <laughs> um, but I know you read it because you texted me, mm-hmm. but I did not read it. I honestly don't read your stuff because my mother um, is still in a blaming game. Yeah. Where it is still all my fault. Yep. Like, There's no ownership being taken there. Yeah. Everything that the family went through, that I went through, that it is all my fault. Right. I don't understand how a five-year-old all the way up to a 14-year-old could, like, ruin a family, but it's fine. It um, is what it is. But basically, my mother is, yeah, like Krista said, there was no ownership being taken. She still won't admit that she abused me especially physically abused me, which she did. Um, I don't need to prove that to anybody. Um, there is like legal records that she was abusive, police records, everything, CPS, everything was involved. And even like people on Facebook who went through that time with us even validated that post as well. Mm -hmm. That's the thing also where I want to explain when you're on this journey, it is not guaranteed that people in your life are all of a sudden going to take ownership for what they did, did yeah. to you. Um, the two people who are the most abusive in my life has still not taken ownership for what they did. Exactly. My mother and my ex. But I can come to you confidently telling you that their actions do not affect me as much as they have in the past. Exactly. Of course, it does suck to see that my mother is still not taking ownership after over a decade. Yeah. And she genuinely does not believe that
that she abused me and hurt her little girl. Yeah. It's disappointing. However, I am still attached to freedom. Yep. And I'm not going to let that hold me back. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm still very powerful and that I've conquered a lot of the belief systems that I grew up in due to my mother. And I'm not blaming my mother, too, because, yes, I'm validating the fact that because I know she said she's been through a lot. And she has. My mom has been through a lot in her life, obviously. If she has not been through a lot, she wouldn't be acting like this. Exactly. She was traumatized as a little girl. She was also a little girl who was not taken care of, who was not protected, who was not adored, who was not loved, and who was not accepted. And so she mirrored the abuse she went through onto me. And I don't want to continue to mirror to mirror the abuse that my mother mirrored to me. And I don't want to continue to abuse myself. And I don't want to continue or potentially abuse my family or my little kids yeah. when I have them. And that's what I'm stopping. Exactly. That, that's when, when I say it ends with me, that's what I mean. That honestly, like, you can't see, but that literally brings tears to my eyes just because, like, as long as I've known Alexis, from the moment she has shared with me, you know, kind of a little bit of her background, and she would hold that really, like, close to her heart for a very long time, but the moment she, like, shared with me her background and the things that have happened to her in her past, like, she's always said from when I met her, like, I want to break the cycle. I'm not doing this to my children. I'm not like, she was always very determined. And so it brings tears to my eyes because I'm like, okay, you can have that determination, but you can't just wish it. You know what I mean? And so Alexis was like, I, me wishing it, me faking it is not actually helping. Like I need to do something else. And so that's where she was seeking help. She's like, yeah. okay, I need, I need, I need help then guide mm-hmm. me. Well, I came to my lowest and I was like, everything I was doing is not working. Slapping Jesus and yeah. just saying in Jesus name or, you know, and I, Jesus is very powerful and Absolutely. prayer is very powerful, but just saying like, yeah, Jesus, um, you know, Jesus has healed me and Jesus has overcome my life. But I wasn't, I didn't partner with that. I really wasn't partnering with that. It was just a script that I was saying. We treated him like a genie. Absolutely. Exactly. That's what I was doing. I was treating him like a genie and then also as if he didn't love me and I wasn't cared for. Mm -hmm. And so that's what really came down to it. And, And obviously it makes sense that my mom would read that. Yeah. And feel shame and get defensive it it makes sense because i could not imagine the feeling of reading like your daughter or your son posting on social media and being completely transparent about what you went through and having that story help others but knowing that you were a part of that story and you hurt mm-hmm. your little girl or your little boy yeah like that's got to be the biggest pill you could ever swallow like and it's hard to swallow so i completely understand where she's going where she's what she's going through well i couldn't even imagine because i would never want to see that for my own kids right and i'm sure it was hard for my dad to see that yeah but my dad supported me exactly because he knows that it was my experience and what i went through and my perspective and that matters and me and my dad have it's been a while it's it's come it's been a journey but we've come to an agreement where like Okay, what we went through has been validated. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sure it was very hard for my mom to read that. So I understand why 
to not feel the pain and the shame from it, she gets defensive and doesn't and wants to continue to warp the reality. Exactly. And so I completely get it. But knowing the fact that I'm not going to stop sharing my story because I know that what I went through mattered um, and that it is true and that I don't need to be manipulated and saying that I'm crazy and no, I didn't go through that. And that's another thing too, is that when you're in a cycle of abuse, the abuser does not want you, the abuser wants you to stay silent. Mm -hmm. They never want you to reveal what actually happens. Absolutely. And since I've been on a roll. (laughs) (laughs) Since we're being honest in this episode. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to stay silent. What I've been through in the past three years. Mm -hmm. And especially what I went through as a little girl. Because that little girl deserved to be fought for. Mm -hmm. That little girl deserved to have somebody defend her. And to, you know, say the truth. And not let everybody just cover it up with scriptures and use like Jesus as a cover up instead of a healing factor. Mm -hmm. That's good. And that's what other people were doing was using it as a cover up to hide. Jesus was never supposed to be used to hide things, but he was supposed to be used to reveal things and to heal it, Mm -hmm. but also to stop it. To bring and to, it to light. To break it. Yeah. And to bring it to light. That's what it was for. So that's where I've come to the conclusion. And that's a little bit about me and my story. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But, like, so, we, I mean, we talked about, you know, kind of, we were just now talking about, like, kind of how you got to this point. Like, and I know we've gone back and forth a little bit, but, like, you were talking about earlier, you were talking about how, you know, you got to a point where you were just like, I what I'm doing is not working. This, <laughs> all these strategies, all these things that I'm just kind of like pulling out of wherever, these things are not working. So then what made you choose like a life coach? What made you go that route? Um, Because, well, counseling, it's, there's a lot of government and legal aspects involved. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's lots of, which I know this because in college, I my major was um, psychology and counseling mm-hmm. and all that. So there was a lot of governmental um, laws that you had to, um, that boxed you in, to right. be honest. And the reason why I did not move forward in that counseling route was because you were, you were boxed in. And with life coaching, it's, gosh, it's just a whole different encounter. Yes. Especially what I experienced because it really got down to the root system of where I was completely unfiltered. And I didn't have to act or be a certain way. And I, it was completely unscripted mm-hmm. for me. And and they knew it. Like, they knew. And I think life coaches, especially the life coaches I've been through, like, they can read you like a book only because life coaches that I've experienced are honest in their failures. They don't glorify that, oh, you're going to be happy and this is you being happy forever. No, it's not like that. It's like, hey, when tough times 
comes again and pain is a part of life. So pain is going to happen, but also life is also very beautiful. And there's a way that we can utilize our pain and help it heal us. And now that when we go through a tough time again, we know how to navigate it. So instead of it being a level 10 or a level 11 pain on a scale of one to 10 and it being an 11 pain, (laughs) it's now not an 11 or a 10. It is a two or a three. Right. Or maybe sometimes a four or a five. And you're not reacting in ways that you used to anymore because you've already gotten so much healing in the deepest parts of you. Mm -hmm. It really feels as though this is the Lord's work. Right. And you're not boxed in and you, and it's like, you can say Jesus and you can pray. You can have an encounter in the midst of your session with Jesus. And it's kind of hands off and it's not as codependent either. And also even when you do, when life hits hard, because it will, and you do go back to that level 10 pain, you will truly know how to navigate it. And it's not attached to hopelessness anymore. It's attached to hope. Mm-hmm. It's a grief with hope. Yeah. Not a, not a grief attached to death or yeah. loss, but a grief attached to hope. Exactly. No, that's perfect. I mean, now that's getting me thinking because I'm like, okay, yes, whenever I think about counseling, right, because I, I went to school to become a counselor and then quickly stopped. Um, <laughs> when I think about counseling, it feels very calculated. It feels very um, like you have to do these certain things and it has to be in this order and it needs to do, you know what I mean? So it feels very calculated, whereas life coaching is more fluid and more like, you know, room for authenticity I guess Mm -hmm. that's what it feels like to me and nobody pretending and nobody pretending like it's it's creating that safe space to where I I don't have to be calculated I don't have to worry about are my answers right are they gonna diagnose me with depression are they gonna diagnose me with this like I don't have to worry about that I can simply come here and be authentically who I am and then this life coach can meet me where I'm at, love me, accept me, create a safe space so that I can continue to be honest. And then we can work together to try to guide through the thing. Like it, it, to me, it's just another person there to listen. Mm -hmm. That's like unbiased Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Like think of it as Lord of the Rings, right? So I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) and I used to hate Lord of the Rings, but there's so many great metaphors in these movies. So think of it as like, I, me as a life coach, I am not supposed to be the hero in your story. I do not want to be the hero in in your story. Mm -hmm. I want you to be the hero in your own story. I want you to know that you you can be powerful. You can choose the life that you want. You can make the decisions. You can get healed. And it's all partnered and attached to Jesus and God. It's not self-proclaimed. Stop, Christian. Stop it. Stop it. That's not what I'm saying. It Yes, you are the hero of your own story. Yes, we know Jesus died on the cross for us. He's the hero. But it's partnering with, like, you have the authority that Jesus gave you. Yes. And you have the power to conquer it. Exactly. With him. Yeah. And so just to give you more of a definition of what coaching is, coaching requires developing the client's abilities to solve a problem themselves using a wide range of tools such as goal setting and accountability, being able to come alongside someone to help them reach their goals, to help them not procrastinate, to be able to implement daily routines, help them with accountability and progress. Mm. 
And then also with a life consultant. And some people say, like, I'm a life coach slash life consultant. And that's what I'm, you know, kind of falling in between. Life consulting is being able to help that person connect to themselves, to understand what it is going on inside their brains as a neurological level, what's going on in their hearts, in their bodies, becoming more aware of themselves, and then learning the steps to be able to take care of themselves because they become their most powerful advocate in their life. They become their life coach. They become their person they are held accountable to, recognizing system goals that are in place in order to be able to walk ourselves through emotional pain in order to get comfort and compassion to be able to recognize what emotional needs are so we can start getting those emotional needs met so that way we can come into our true self taking care of not just the symptoms of why we don't do what we should do and why we why we do what we shouldn't do but also being able to get to the root of what's really motivating us, then we are able to take back our own personal responsibility and stewardship for your our own heart and our own body. <laughs> so that's really what life coaching slash life consulting involves. And you have something you want to say? Yeah, no, it's just funny because, I mean, I, it's literally just going to be a reiteration of what you said. But like I wrote down some things whenever I was thinking about like what is a life coach? What does that even mean? I wrote down um, uncovering core beliefs, thoughts, feelings, unlocking your unique skills and gifts, coming up with ways, strategies to overcome the things that are holding you back in your life, reaching your goals, constant accountability. Like those are all things that you literally just said. So I was like, yep, that's that's it. That's life coaching. That's all it is. Yeah. And going back to the Lord of the Rings reference metaphor, think of me as, is it Gandalf? The white beard. I don't know. I don't want the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I could totally be wrong off of these characters. I haven't watched it in a while. But think of me as your your Gandalf. I am your guide. Yeah. Or Yoda. Yoda. That's who Yeah. 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 Like I am your guide. I'm here to help you navigate and uncover your true authentic self. Mm-hmm. I am here to be your advocate, to champion you. I I want to I want you to know that you can make decisions in your life and you don't have to live in this constant cycle of trauma yeah. and bleed on everybody else because you can be healed and you can come out of hiding. You can know that you what you went through matters and that you're powerful and you don't have to stay in this cycle. You can break this cycle. And so, and you could be Frodo. I think that's his name. I say, I'm thinking about like Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, that's Kid. Whatever metaphor works for you. Right. That's, that's what this is. Like, that's what life coaching, life consulting is. And if I could just help one person, that would be enough. Like, mm-hmm. And so that's what led me into this because I've gotten so much healing. I'm not, and I'm not sitting here saying my life is so perfect now and I will never experience pain ever again. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm going to experience experience pain again, but I I know how to navigate it better than I did. Mm -hmm. But I will come across experiences in the future were like, oh my gosh, I need help with this. And I I personally have mentors and life coaches that help me and speak into my life. It's not me just constantly in a like a stagnant of like, yeah, I know everything now and I can go out and pour out all. Like yes. no, I am constantly getting filled too. Yeah. So it's not that. So um it's not to say like I am 
so happy to where I never experience pain anymore. Like, no, I'm, I'm genuinely happy and fully connected to myself even when I experience pain and disappointments. Exactly. And I, I feel powerful in the midst of pain and disappointments. Mm-hmm. And I still feel freedom and I'm still attached to hope yeah. in the midst of pain and disappointments. And then even in the midst of people not owning their shit yeah. who hurt me. I still feel powerful and it's not a hit to my value or to my character. Exactly. And it has everything. And I ha- now have the awareness and the perspective of like, wow, I have so much compassion for you. And I know that this has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. and everything to do with your own heart and your own unawareness. Exactly. <laughs> so that's that's where I'm at. And that's what I want to bring out to people and pour onto people. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I mean, cause I, I mean, I'm just thinking about like how like the Alexis now and the Alexis, you know, three, four years ago, she still has li- life throwing freaking curveballs at her. Yeah. Life is still throwing flames at her. You know what I mean? Like those things are still happening. It's not like this magical place where, oh, finally everything is, you know, roses and sunflowers and you know a beautiful place that's not what it is it's just the way that you're navigating is different because you have the tools you've been given the wisdom on what to do when you are being thrown these curveballs or whenever you are getting angry whatever the feeling or experience may be you actually have tools in order to navigate through them now whereas Alexis three four years ago did not so you were just simply doing whatever you thought was best in the moment. Yeah, I was in survival mode. Survival mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm also just not believing anymore that there's this big old dude up in heaven just, like, <laughs> not caring about anybody and just, like, sitting on his lazy, yeah. you know. So it's just, yeah, I just don't believe that. And now I have a more intimate, fully connected to God's heart and character. Exactly. And knowing exactly what that looks like. Yeah. At least for the most part, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know everything about God, but you know. Yeah. I know what matters, you know. I think yeah. <laughs> I think I'm getting a little closer though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, if you do if you feel inspired by this episode, yeah. And there's just this little little voice inside you or maybe this scream like I had saying like, I cannot live like this anymore. Mm -hmm. I want to try this. I want to see what this looks like for me and see if Alexis is a good fit for me. Yeah. (laughs) Please, um, you can message me on Instagram, Alexis underscore S as in Sam, I F as in Frank, so SIF. It's just Alexis underscore SIF. (laughs) And uh, message me on there. Or you can email us through our website, the real meaning of humanity podcast.com. I think that's it. And you can email us through there on our podcast page. Or if you're more connected to Krista and you're scared to reach out to me, Just then reach, reach out. out to Krista and then she will reach out to me. But then you'll eventually have to reach out to me. So, <laughs> But that's fine. I could be I could be your landing strip for now. Yeah. <laughs> Krista could be the introduction into yes. leading you to me. Yeah. Um, and I am taking clients. Your first session is free. So why not? Exactly. And, and it's just, and even if it's just a space for you to completely word vomit and vent, mm-hmm. freaking do it. It's a free session to do it. Yeah. And I'm not going to be doing these 
free sessions for long. Yeah. It's not going to be like offered for a long time. It's only for the moment. So get a free session with me and then we talk more about what that looks like in the session and moving forward and next steps. Um, but yeah, and I hope I hope this inspired you. Is there anything you yeah. want to say? I can ramble. I just no, it's okay. I just want to say like life coaching is not a bad thing. It's not oh I need a life coach because I'm not sufficient or I'm not enough. It's just like we said a place where you can be genuine in who you are because it's hard sometimes to do that with people who know us very deeply it's hard like you know what I mean because that person already has like a perception of you and there's that fear there of what would happen if I were to be completely honest about who I am or what I'm feeling so like Alexis is a source of oh okay I can actually be honest here because there's no fear of like what if this ruins a relate you know what I mean because this this could be a stranger or someone I haven't talked to in years or whatever or it's, it could be a friend that I like a distant one whatever it doesn't really matter right but it's just a space where you can come and be honestly, authentically you. And if you're teetering and you're like, well, I don't know. It seems kind of scary. I'm going to have to do – it's a free session. I don't have the money. It's a free session. So, like, take all those excuses, throw them as far as you freaking can, and go with that first thought, that first little inkling, and just try it. Like, what is the worst that can happen? Right. You're going to radically change your life? Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but it's in – but I'm, I promise you, like, like, just think. Like, yes, you still experience, you know, how we went back to – going back to, like, yes, you, ex- you still experience um, pain, and but you just know how to navigate it. But, like, the healing I have gotten three years ago, two years ago, I am seeing – even a year ago, even six months ago, mm-hmm. I am seeing the fruits of it now. Exactly. Like I am seeing all the fruits of what I healed six months, year, year and a half, two years ago. And it's all like growing and it's flourishing. Guys, me and Krista have a freaking podcast. Right. Like, I what? never <laughs> thought I would, I would not be having a podcast with my best friend yeah. if I, if I would have, if I never went through this healing. Exactly. And then me like launching this coaching business, I would never have this if I never went through this healing. Yeah. So yes, you could start a free session now with me. And then where would you be six months from now? Exactly. Where would you be a year from now mm-hmm. where would you be two years from now mm-hmm. what are the fruits coming from this first step of a free session uh, yeah think of it like that oh that's so good I mean I just I'm like we hold ourselves back so much and so we I limit genu- ourselves by I, our fear yes and I genuinely believe that if you have this like scared feeling in the sense of like oh my god but it's an unknown like to me that's like do it that's your sign to do it. Like imagine how many times you had that scare feeling of like, okay, but whoa, I don't know what that's going to look like. What happens? It, You know what I mean? Like that's what your life had looked like for the last year. And like, what if you would have limited yourself and be like, well, no, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Like, like you just said, you wouldn't have all these things. You wouldn't have been able to see the fruits of your labor. This, because exactly. you stepped into that unknown, you went past that fear mm-hmm. of, 
what if. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's bringing back to the beginning of this episode. Like, I was literally about to go back to the same cycle. Exactly. And I was completely unaware of it at the time. I'm like, I, it, it was like my little girl wanting to go back to the familiar because I didn't know what was for me in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and t- it took me to get out of my comfort zone stop thinking about it and take a chance on something that I didn't even know what would come up from it mm-hmm. and look at where I am now. Exactly. I'm confidently stepping into, I'm going to impact somebody's life. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool of what you, of what one decision that you make for yourself can do. Exactly. Exactly. And life coaching does not mean anything's wrong with you. No. Nothing's yeah. wrong with you. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about life coaching is like there's nothing wrong with you. You're just being coached on how to utilize yeah. what's going on. There's no on diagnosis. There's yeah. no nothing Yeah, I'm like not that. diagnosing you. I'm not like I'm not medical. I'm not a nurse practitioner. I'm not a psychologist. Yeah. I'm literally just helping you and not judging you. Exactly. It's pretty exactly. cool. Yeah. And you might have people in your life that judge you all the time and you get to come into a, a an hour session. Where, where you get to not be judged. Exactly. Yeah, so. Absolutely. So take that step. Take it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Don't even hesitate. Go ahead. Reach out. Send, yeah, let's chat. Let's, let's chat. chat. Send, <laughs> even if you don't want to type out a whole thing, send a dot. I'll know what you mean. And we can, you know what? We'll take over. It's fine. It's fine. You're fine. Just do it. It's fine. We're fine. We're all going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. All right. Well, we love y'all so much. And yes. we're excited for where this next chapter yeah next journey is gonna take us um <laughs> our one year episode is next That's week y'all freaking crazy next that is insane. week i know we've been doing this for a year what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so make sure to um be on the lookout for that mm-hmm. um stand by <laughs> and we will see you next week for our one year anniversary yes <laughs> Come celebrate with us. (laughs) All right. All right. We love y'all so much. Love you. Bye. Bye.